Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is the guy who would never sneak out of my dinner party, my hungry friend, Eddie. How you doing today, Eddie? I'm delighted to be here. And James B., you're far too good of a cook for me to ever leave your dinner party. So you don't have to worry about that. You know what I make all the time the day of the podcast, don't you? I mean, brownies? It's brownies. Okay. It's brownies. That's All my right. number one thing I make. Yep. All right. That would be uh, Giardelli brownies if they ever want to uh, hook <laughs> us up as a sponsor. Let us know. Bit of a reach. <laughs> Perhaps. We were, <laughs> we're a little outclassed there. But don't worry. I've got a sponsor today that is even better. Okay. Um, Eddie, we're not going to actually go on to the next Amazing Spider-Man issue because there was a magazine that we needed to cover because it's just too important to ignore. It was it was written at the same time. We need to take care of it. Also, like the Green Goblin, he's back. Kevin Ewing is joining us today. Kevin was in our last podcast, but a quick refresher about who you are. Hey, everyone. I was just on your last podcast covering Amazing Spider-Man 70 and 71, and I'm joining this podcast because I heard that James B. and Eddie wanted to complete a Ewing trilogy with Chris Ewing, and then me for two straight episodes after that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, The Spectacular Spider-Man Magazine, Volume 1, Issue 2, The Goblin Lives. We open with Captain Stacy giving a criminology lesson about the history of Spider-Man and the Green Goblin to J. Jonah Jameson and other Midtown businessmen at their club. After a while, Norman becomes unwell and collapses. He is taken to the hospital. Peter is suspicious that Norman will soon remember his Green Goblin identity. He has a flashback recalling the difficulty of fighting Green Goblin. His mind continues to wander into the past as he recalls the Green Goblin discovering his secret identity, capturing him, and how the Green Goblin's madness and ego allowed him to escape with an amnesia-stricken Norman. You know, if you couldn't attend Captain Stacy's seminar on the Ewing family, you would at least want to attend the seminar on the history of supervillains, right? I mean, this is the, this is the hot seat in uh, Midtown, right? Oh, who wouldn't want to attend this? I'm not a member of the executive club, but I would love to attend this. Do you think, do you think he does this as a series of seminars and lectures? Does he cover Avengers villains? Does he cover Fantastic Four? Is there a series on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? So, so he, he basically gets together and says, I'm going to put on this seminar. And he thinks, who do I know that has really overreacted in my Midtown Business and Club? He's like, you know what? Norman Osborn's had a really hard time whenever I bring up the Goblin stuff. Let's let's get him invited. And Norman, of course, thinks this is a great idea to uh, to be there. Right, Eddie? I had so much so much trouble with this because Norman clearly gets very upset whenever the Green Goblin or Spider-Man is mentioned at any time, like through any of these issues. And he puts himself like right in the worst possible scenario for him to like have a terrible reaction like he does and then collapses. I I guess the only way we could kind of logic it out is this is this is his subconscious, like his Green Goblin, like forcing him to get exposed, uh, you know, so that... He can reemerge, I guess. I don't know. What about your thoughts on this issue at the beginning? Anybody? Uh, I, I actually want to say this is like a 60-page issue. But that being said, I'm okay spending a little more time on this, just this first page. I think it's that important. Um, hmm. If you look at it, too, some of the lines, you know, one person's like, great pitchers, aren't they, Jameson? And he's like, bah, I liked them better if I didn't know how it ends. That blasted web slinger should have been killed just like the goblin was. I'm like... 
J. Jonah Jameson's announcing, I wish Spider-Man was killed. This is not what I expected, because wasn't there an issue where he was about to be killed and J. Jonah Jameson was like, we didn't want to kill Spider-Man? Do you guys remember this? Do you remember, Kevin? Do you want me to... I Sorry, I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> this was when J. Jonah Jameson was controlling the robot. and yeah, like the second time. Yeah, the second time. And... Uh... Smythe, maybe? Was it Smythe? Mm -hmm. I think it was Smythe who had built it. Yeah. And he's like, gonna kill Spider-Man. That's crazy. And J. Jonah Jameson tells him to back off and be like, no, I only want him captured. And I'm like, come on, man. Make up your mind. (laughs) Right. Now he's like, I wish he was dead again. So I think before uh, he wanted, you know, the humiliation for him to be arrested, etc. Now he's just tired of him and he wants him gone. Oh. And the other people in the audience are like, hey, keep it down. You can lecture when <laughs> Stacy's finished with his amazing presentation. So, as you said, Eddie, in your summary, there's a lot of flashback here. I, I liked it. I mean, I knew it, but I thought this was really powerful. Um, Kevin, how accurate is this flashback? Yeah, Peter's memory of these is a little fuzzy. For example, he talks about the first encounter with the goblin, but... It shows the goblin on a glider and not that broom that he had to start out with. And a lot of the dialogue, if you compare it to the original issues, it's sort of similar, but it's quite different as well. So would you have been happier if it was the exact dialogue and he's on the broom because you're like, that's what really happened? Or are you okay with this like light retcon to make things smooth over? That's You're, you're in charge now. What are you going to do? I think it's okay because it's Peter's memory, right? It's not like a direct reference to the other issues. So I think it's fine. It's just Peter's memory. Peter sometimes could be a little inaccurate. It runs in the family because, you know, Aunt May always has visions of uh, Doc Ock being like a nice gentleman and serving her tea (laughs) when he kidnaps her. (laughs) Hey, Aunt May, what's Eddie, move on with your story. What's going on with Aunt May? All right, Peter makes a tender surprise stop by Aunt May's. While across town, Norman's mind is unraveling because he is remembering he is the Green Goblin. He runs out of the hospital and goes to an old hideout where he rearms in full Green Goblin regalia. He declares he will have his revenge on Spider-Man. On the campus of ESU, Peter is sleepwalking through classes as he bumps into Gwen and Harry. Peter's nerves go on high alert when the subject falls upon Norman's fragile mental state. At home, Peter reanalyzes the pickle of fighting his best friend's father. At night, he awakens from nightmares and decides to be proactive by heading out to hunt the Green Goblin, but finds nothing. Back at Norman's apartment, Harry is pleased to see his dad arrive home and, after some rest, feeling better. Harry dials Peter to tell him Norman will celebrate his good health by having everyone over for dinner. Peter swings over to Gwen's to pick her up, and they arrive to find Harry and MJ already there. One thing I'd like to bring up is the dinner panels themselves and Hmm. the obvious inspiration that they gave Sam Raimi in the first Spider-Man film. And this is the one, if you remember, where Aunt May actually smacks Norman Osborn's hand when he tries (laughs) to sample the food before (laughs) before he's supposed to eat. I had entirely forgot about that. You forgot that they had dinner or that she slapped his hand? I think he's going for a roll in his own house, in his son's house. Both of them. Well, um, the dinner party in the movie is not that dangerous, right? That's where um, Peter arrives late, and um, didn't Norman notice some blood somewhere? Okay. 
in the middle of his bedroom his... floor. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, but in this case here, I think it's a little more dangerous. Eddie, why don't you keep going with the summary? Okay. From the first moment Peter sees Norman, he knows that this is all some sort of a trap. Dinner is tense, and Peter throws some web onto a fire to create a reason to evacuate his innocent friends from the house and danger. In the chaos, Norman and Peter suit up to square off. To raise the stakes, Norman flies to Aunt May's because he knows Spidey will go there to protect her. They battle, and Spidey is gassed. The gas is psychedelic and takes Spidey on a bad trip that he eventually overcomes. For, for me, at least, this is the second of like three big things that happened in this issue, this whole section on the gas. Um, gosh, I don't even know where I want to start here. The fact that we it's gas again. I don't know why Spider-Man just... <laughs> Back again. He's got to start carrying like a, a permanent filter for this kind of stuff because it's like so easy to gas him. But uh, did you guys see when he's uh, kind of tripping out that he has visions of the villains from his past? I guess. What did you think of the choice of villains? You guys want to give me some ideas of who you were happy to see or not happy to see or like I thought it, I thought it was interesting that the sinister 6 wasn't represented in full that it was I think only 3 of the 6 that were on there. Correct. I mean the, my biggest problem right away Eddie I'll just say if you look at it boy the rhino's really prominent and he's not even prominent in his own books the rhino when he's supposed to be the, like the star but like yeah. boy how'd the rhino get front and center here you know. <laughs> I think it's just to represent an update of what villains Spider-Man has been fighting for the last 20 issues uh that's why the rhino's making an appearance and yeah maybe they're letting go of the sinister six a little bit here finally well john ramita he designed and created the rhino so and and he also did the kingpin so that's probably why they're featured prominently give the guys so they're like put up put up a couple of his villains and then you have to keep the original like two or three big ones all right so i'm okay with everybody then except for craven in that case that's the story Uh, but speaking of villains Eddie and I had just done issues 66 and 67. Now, I know the timeline of this is right around here. I can see the, I see the motorcycle still here. Yeah. I'm sure I could go to that website. They'll tell you the, the reading order. And I know it's, again, I'm really close. It's right, I think it's between 65 and 66. So Mysterio is about to be going on right here. And if you look, we have the giant hand and he's, and he's got all the psychedelic stuff. And I'm thinking this is another Mysterio type attack you guys did you guys think that at all or not really yeah i thought it was very similar and you know mysterio kind of does use some gas to affect spider-man's spider sense right correct and mm-hmm. mysterio not shown there because we can't show mysterio there because it would be really confusing to people to be like is mysterio causing this problem eddie did you even think about mysterio at all or not really i didn't think about mysterio as much as i thought boy i there's a lot of psychedelics going on <laughs> around the world and is this is this a psa for like don't do drugs kids because (laughs) if you were spider-man clearly bad things happen to you kevin there is a psa for don't do drugs agree yes there is about two years away so we're getting eddie keeps referencing it and i keep letting him know it's coming we'll get there (laughs) Um, but speaking of psychedelic gas eddie why don't you wrap up the summary here we can see what happens at the end all right this gives Spider-Man the idea to psychedelically gas Norman so that he will lose his memory again. He gasses Green Goblin. Norman trips out, forgives who he is again, and Peter takes him to the hospital. The last panel shows Peter walking out with Gwen and MJ in hopes of letting the good times roll. Uh, wait, what? Wait, hold on. I thought Spider-Man was in big trouble here. I'm looking at him. He's losing his mind. Wait, what? What? How did he... 
he just turns his own weapon on him and chucks it at Norman. And Norman has the same problem, but his mind is much more fragile, I guess we could say. Kevin, is that what you saw? And he also said he did it in a bigger concentration, so I guess he gave it more than, than Spider-Man received. So if you take a little bit more, it'll erase your memory. Oh, okay. Pretty lucky. Pretty lucky that he's got that going on here. He he literally holds up a mask of the goblin next to himself, sort of like, oogity boogity, look at us, two things in front of you, Spider-Man and the Green Goblin, the most horrible things in the world. Their names, their faces will haunt you, will turn you off. The Goblin, Spider-Man, no, no. I'm like, that's it. That's all you had to do. And then to make sure that it actually works, he takes his own mask off and reveals himself as Peter Parker just to make sure Norman doesn't recognize him. You don't think that was a good strategy? A little risky? (laughs) A little risky. Well, when he took off his mask, he took off his whole costume. He wasn't just staying there like in the costume. Oh, never mind. Yes, he was. <laughs> what a terrible and then, idea. And then he puts Norman over his shoulder and swings away, and he doesn't put his mask back on. <laughs> right, right. Well, yes, that is a concern. He's flying through the city like that. But he's able to get a new set of clothes because in the next scene, not only is he dressed again, but Norman is in a different outfit too because he doesn't show up in his goblin clothes. That's okay. Uh, we'll just turn the page and let that go. We're not going to penalize them. This is also when uh, MJ has her uh, her new haircut, just if for those who are... Yep, at the very end. That's how I kind of dated this one, too. Right. Uh, which issues is going to fall around. So. How long is that haircut going to be with us, Kevin? Thankfully, not very long. Okay, so this is definitely like in that little frame. You know what? Before we talk about this issue, why don't we knock off our sponsor? Eddie, there's a new weight loss product... That can also help you quit smoking and get you to watch less TV and spend more time with family. Does that sound good? Wow, it sounds pretty good. That's right. I know. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about the new Psychedelic Hallucination Gas Pumpkin. You can achieve all that with this. Now, let me explain how it works. You simply inhale Psychedelic Hallucination Gas Pumpkin. And then if you look at like cakes or candy or beer, you name it. Voila, you no longer desire those items. This also works with cigarettes, uh, watching too much television, stuff like that. Eddie, but that's not all. If you act now and you purchase this, okay, Eddie, you'll receive a second psychedelic hallucination gas pumpkin you can use on bothersome uh, coworkers to come chat with you. When they see you, they'll avoid you. It's that easy. You can get rid of anybody, a bill collector, a boy scout, um, those guys who come to your house and want to clean your gutters, anyone you don't want at your door, a policeman, you name it, good riddance with the psychedelic hallucination gas pumpkin. Uh, warning, do not accidentally use around family members or friends that you do wish to associate with. Uh, do not use around food items that you wish to eat or items you wish to use. Uh, some patients may need to be hospitalized after use. See our ad in Better Homes and Gardens. Eddie, will you be picking up one or two of them today? So is this something that I can grow or is this like a device? Okay, Eddie, you just you just order it and, and they'll send you like a pumpkin. Okay. And then, I mean, I have to explain this to you. Let's say you're like, <laughs> hey, I'm spending too much. And a pumpkin. I'm spending too much time. Yeah. yeah, it's a psychedelic hallucination gas pumpkin, Eddie. Let's say you're eating too many donuts. You're like, oh, I'm eating donuts all the time, right? What you do is you inhale it. Hold up the donut, and you're like, donuts, ah, it's terrible, donuts, ah, and then boom, you don't eat donuts anymore. How do you not understand this? 
Uh, James B., I'm going to try to avoid uh, psychedelic bad trips as much as possible. I I don't know. Okay, hold on. Here's what you would do, Eddie. Is this the FDA approved? I don't Kevin, Kevin I'm going to explain this one more time and then help me out. If you don't want to be, if you want to avoid psychedelic bad trips, what you do is this you will use the psychedelic hallucination gas pumpkin and put in front of you the second one. It says, like, I don't want that. I don't want a hallucination gas pumpkin. You can use it to actually train yourself to not use it. See how it works? Kevin, <laughs> are you going to be picking up one or two of these yourself? I think I'm going to be picking up two of these. You know, we've had a pandemic. We've uh-huh. all put on some pounds, so right. I could use a little help there. Good, good. Um, sometimes, you know, you get anxiety over a certain thing. I oh, think this would be the perfect, perfect, perfect thing to use for that. <laughs> Think of what an effect it had in helping Peter Parker and Harry and Norman. <laughs> it was it was the solution oh to all their problems. Uh, Kevin's going to use it. I, of course, uh, recommend it very highly. Uh, Eddie, it seems like you're kind of a little resistant, but hopefully you, you understand oh. how to use this, and you, we can turn you around here. And Eddie, uh, don't I, worry if the FDA approved it or not. It's a, it's been, it's a proven product, and it will work. Uh, I'll, I'll remain hesitant. I'll, I'll let you guys try it out first, and then you can let me know how. All right. How well, hey, if you when when people start calling you fatty fats, cigarette smoking, <laughs> it's all muscle, dude. James B. <laughs> touche, touche. All right. Well, whether it's a whether it's a good product um, or not, it does seem to solve the problem here in this issue. And are you guys okay with this conclusion? Is this better that we were together last issue when Spider-Man stuck his hand out and took out Quicksilver with one punch? The solution this issue is turns the gas on Norman. Better solution or worse solution than the previous uh, previous issue? What do you guys think? I think it's a convenient solution, especially for Peter Parker. Whether it's a good solution or not, maybe maybe not um i think stan was as the writer was maybe stretching the bounds of what psychedelic drugs may or may not be able to do for you (laughs) eddie there wasn't a lot of experimentation at the time both by like you know just the average kind of people and hippies and whatnot but also the government was using psychedelics and lsd and i don't i don't find this to be very far-fetched at all like i think this is Considering what everybody knew, this would not be out of the range of possibilities uh, for what to happen. And I was really struggling with, I mean, I'm always really struggling with, like, how does Spider-Man really defeat the Green Goblin? Because he knows who he is, and he's his best buddy's dad. So it is, it, I think it was more than adequate for a, uh, a conclusion to how the Green Goblin goes back to being Norman. I have less of a problem with this solution working on Norman than I do with Harry, who, who replies, Pete, where in blazes have you been? Is my dad here? Oh, we looked all over. This was our last try. What happened? Next time, let a fellow know. I'm like, that seems, <laughs> what, Harry? You, you're just like, okay, no problem. You can go see your dad. Like, you, weren't they just having dinner like a few minutes ago? Like, and then they disappeared. They disappeared, and then they're like, "Where did you? Oh, we checked the hospital. Thanks for bringing my dad here, but you know, they have phones in '68, right? '69. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I, Harry always gives Peter a 
free pass. He hardly ever pays attention to what he's doing. I mean, he's living with Spider-Man, and he seems to be clueless about it. So <laughs> this is much Harry, more concerned about his dad. This is Harry 2.0. Okay, because Harry 1.0, back in the old days, Peter Parker would, like, look at someone the wrong way, and he'd be like, that Peter Parker thinks he's all that. <laughs> because he has a science scholarship. Oh he was really rough on him, filling the role of Flash, and then, I don't know, I don't know who's supposed to be tough on him now. There seems to be nobody really against Peter, right? Yeah, things kind of got a little softer when Ditko left the book and Romita came on. People were a little bit nicer, weren't quite as hard on Peter as they were before. I think Gwen's giving him the hardest time these days. Yeah, and really, like, that's barely hard. I, I think it's the person who's hardest on Peter is Peter himself. He's so critical of himself at all times. Like, if he could just... I think he's in a constant state of depression, honestly. Like, he never can seem to see the glass half full, rather the glass half empty, when he's doing anything. It's that classic Spider-Man guilt. Yes. Eddie, as another throwback for Kevin, I know you created a game. Why don't you tell us how the game works? Okay, guys. I'm going to give you three words from the magazine we just read. You tell me who said these words. Balderdash, Enigma, and Teeny Booper. Balderdash well, was Jonah. Definitely Balderdash was Jonah. I know that. Cause, uh-huh. uh, well, the other two words, Enigma. Enigma and Teeny Booper. Now, you sure the word isn't... Oh, wait a second. Teeny Booper <laughs> is... Teeny <laughs> Booper is Aunt May. You helped yourself answer that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. And the other one's Enigma. I'm going to guess Captain Stacy. I was going to... I'll take... I'll take Peter. All right. All right. Those, those are your final answers? Final answer. Yes. Balderdash is J. Jonah. Teeny Booper is Aunt May. And Enigma is Captain Stacy. Oh, well done, Kevin. Right. You, you got him on that Good one. Good job, Kevin. All right. All right. Here we go. Three more words that were actually, I'm going to be nice again, used in the magazine. Propituous, infallible, and fatuous. Wow. None of these... Oh, I should mention, these could come from any character, including the narrator, too. Oh, I remember fatuous because I looked it up. I don't don't remember what it means, but I I had to look it up at the time that I read it. Yeah, I looked it up and and said it wrong, too. Thank you for correcting me. And I don't remember who said it. Do you want to hear it? You want to give me... I'll give you the three options and you can line them up. Uh, sure. All right. Here's your three options. Okay. Uh... The narrator, Norman Osborn, or the Green Goblin, and okay. I used you know if they were in what they were, what, he was what did that what did that word mean when you uh, looked Petuous, it up there, Kevin? I don't remember. <laughs> it, it's a silly. It's like a silly thing. He's making reference to a uh, silly or pointless thing. That's what. Okay. What are the other two words? Um, Propituous and infallible. I'm going to say Norman said fatuous. Okay. Um, let's make the, I think the goblin will say infallible because he's got the ego to say that, not the narrator. Yeah. Okay. Now, whatever so the, the last, last one will be the narrator then. Yes. Right. Well done. You got all three correct, gentlemen. Nicely done. Thanks, Eddie. That was fun. Eddie, another special uh, throwback uh, moment for Kevin. We haven't checked emails because you refused to check them after a while. So so why don't you jump out there and check the emails, Kevin? This is for you, buddy. All right, here we go. Loading up. 
And uh, nobody wrote us, James B. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, maybe I have a Twitter message. Let me check that. Uh, messages, messages. Because uh, that's like a new segment. Like we're creating new yeah. segments called Are There Any Twitter Messages? We're moving from like okay. 2002. Oh. Eddie, uh, no. No new Twitter messages. So. <laughs> I guess no one cares to send Kevin a message. I did re- I did request if Kevin uh, Kevin was going to be on the show. And if you wanted to send him uh, a, some kind of you know special question, but nobody cares. All oh, right. well. All right. We're going to move on. <laughs> James B., you want to say these lines for me? My favorite insult that J. Jonah Jameson gets in a while on uh, page seven. Do you see this? Page seven. Okay. <laughs> Is this all? Okay. I see it. He goes, yeah. if you ask me, Osborne's working too hard. He needs a good vacation. I, I think it's more than that, Jameson. He should see. He should seek psychiatric help. Balderdash, you never get me to see a head shrinker. Too bad. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Love that little interaction. <laughs> and, and, and he's sort of his friend, though. Again, right? All these people, all sort of from that midtown. Uh, They're all in the same club. club. So, yeah. former sponsor by the well. way. Former sponsor by the way. <laughs> so, um, okay, if we got we got nothing else. I think it's time to. Yeah, I'm good. All right, um, Kevin. In the previous issue, you mentioned briefly about uh, your Drunk Pete project there, the uh, one that you're a part of. Why don't you just give us a quick review of that, and then you can tell us where we can find you and how that works one more time. Yeah, so every Saturday night, we pick a pre-selected Spider-Man comic, and at 10 p.m. Eastern, we live tweet as we read the issue, and we have a lot of fun. So if that has any interest for you, please join along. How do you... you I'm sorry. I, how do you find out like which book it is? Like what I know right now, which book it is, you have to find out on Saturday. So typically, um, I will send out a notice on Friday on what we're doing the next day. But we also have a calendar that has um, months in advance what we've we've planned. And um, if you become like a regular member, we'll, we we share the calendar with anybody, and you can go in uh-huh. and check it out. Awesome. Well, how can people reach out to you or to find more about the Drunk Pete or yourself? You can reach me on Twitter at, at KevinEwing22. Awesome. Eddie, you got any questions for Kevin? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, Kevin, you did a great job today. Why don't you uh, take us out of here with the close? Remember, listeners, if you're looking to gaslight someone or make someone forget something important, just make them breathe in some psychedelic gas. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. So right. I have a question for you guys. Yeah, um, let's go. You were talking a lot in your early episodes about all the exclamation points that they were yeah. using. Like every sentence sounded like someone was Constantly. yelling everything. So there was actually a reason for that. And it was back in the day, uh, the printing process at the time wasn't re- reliable for something as small as a period. Oh. And so after that, they would often disappear. And you couldn't tell when one sentence began and another ended. And so to make sure that the readers knew where the sentence ended, they started using exclamation points all the time. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. That is, hmm. It's because it's inter- I was interested when the process affects the like artistic limits of the artist. Because 
I was curious about that. I mean, I counted up all the exclamation points for one issue. So, <laughs> do you uh, do you have any other like uh, you know? Do you know how you have those facts that like nobody else cares about that you know? Do you have any more Spider-Man stuff from like the early issues that you're like, by the way, here's something else I know. <sighs> Just think of something that nobody else would care about because we do. I do you know why game. Steve Ditko left the book? Uh, there was a, a Ditko con uh, in Steve Ditko's hometown uh, this past summer, and they had um, for sale his old memos or manifestos that he would put out. And one of them was why I left Spider-Man. The person that I was attending the convention with, a fellow drunk Peter named Lex, he actually purchased it and, and read it. And it doesn't. After you read it, you're like, I have no clue why he left. It doesn't really. <laughs> he says a whole lot of stuff without saying it. But That's yeah, crazy. but a lot, they were. You know, he, he and Stan weren't talking at the time. There's a whole lot of different. You know, theories on on what their issue may have been. Um, the, it was kind of interesting at the Ditko Con to hear the family speak, and um, it, it kind of seemed like it was it was more over credit than anything else. You know, Stan is a he's a he's a showman, right? He bolsters himself himself up really well, and you know, Steve Ditko didn't. He was quiet and didn't like the limelight, and so I think you know there was a perception that Stan was doing everything, and 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 no credit was was going to to Ditko. 